we are losing millions of dollars every year to entities whether it is because of uh, you know uh, uh, preventing people from doing their daily activities preventing children from going to school so that the long term effect is that they cannot achieve their full potential or uh, you know just uh, paying bills in terms of hospitalization the amount of money that we are losing every day is phenomenal that's dr sultani the head of the neglected tropical disease program at kenya's national ministry of health in 2016 the global neglected tropical disease community treated more than a billion people diseases like river blindness intestinal worms and lymphatic filariasis these diseases cause disabilities like blindness elephantiasis in the limbs, and malnutrition in children, their effects on communities is enormous. In order to reach the more than 1 billion people across the world, millions of people need to be involved. On this podcast, we hear the stories of the people working behind this historic effort to end neglected tropical diseases. I'm Greg Porter, and this is The Listening Tour. I sat down with Dr. Sultani in his Nairobi office. It's a small building in the larger Ministry of Health complex. To keep it cool, the windows are kept open, so you can pretty easily hear what's going on outside, specifically this guy sweeping. Dr. Sultani has a big job. So we have a national entity office, which uh, has about uh, nine people. Uh, but at the same time, we actually um, work together with other programs within the National uh, Ministry of Health, you know, uh, programs where we have, uh, which are responsible for health promotion, uh, we have programs which are responsible for vector control, uh, zoonotic disease control, so we actually work together with uh, all the other programs, but within the NTD program, we have uh, about nine people. But then when you go to the county, we also have every county in this country we have established a coordination mechanism. So we have uh, an NTD coordinator in each of the 47 uh, counties in the country. So we have 47 county NTD coordinators. And then we also have in every sub-county in the country, we also have an NTD coordinator. So we have 290 sub-county NTD coordinators across the whole country. There are 20 diseases that are categorized as NTDs. 17 of them are considered of public health importance in Kenya. Out of the five most common NTDs in the world, four of them are endemic in Kenya. NTDs have devastating effects on the communities in the country. Uh, when you look at it in terms of, uh, you know, the morbidities that uh, these diseases are causing, the disability that is coming along with them, uh, very many people going blind because of trachoma, you find that uh, very many people becoming disabled, you know, young women having fertility issues because of schistosomiasis. The effect is profound. But in order to understand how Dr. Satani got to this point, we're going to start his story in Western Kenya, where he was born. There's a lot of rain and, uh, you know, it's a very agriculturally fertile land. Um, it's an interesting place, very productive and uh, the population density is very high. So there's a lot of opportunity. It's a nice place, you know, growing up in Western uh, has, uh, I think has its own advantages. 
because there's uh, access to amenities and uh, stuff like that. Of course, the 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 general challenges of uh, growing up in a third world uh, kind of setup are there. But when you compare it to many other places in the country, you tend to feel that uh, it is uh, one of those better, you know, one of those places that are a bit better to grow up in. On top of this, both of his parents were teachers, and they made sure he would get a good education. This actually gave us an opportunity to um, get a good education because growing up in uh, Western Kenya, uh, during that time, education was not really something that uh, people took very seriously. It was kind of like uh, just one of those things that you need to do. And guys were not very keen on uh, pursuing education to very high levels. But my parents in insisted that um, we really need to, uh, to go to school. And uh, they were able to really sacrifice to ensure that we get a good education. Early in life, he wanted to be a tour guide. And after I traveled around Kenya with him, I could say he would have been very good at that. But that's not where life took him. So I ended up becoming a pharmacist. But I went through wanting to be a tour guide, through wanting to be a lawyer, uh, through almost becoming a, a medical officer, and uh, eventually becoming a pharmacist. Working in hospitals in Kenya, he was noticing some big problems with the healthcare system. Sometimes you could be in the hospital and you don't have what you need. You don't have the medicines you need. You, you know, our colleagues, the medical officers, don't have the equipment they need. We don't have the supplies. Uh, one day, and I used to love working in the clinical area. And one day, I think uh, what just drove me uh, over the cliff was um, we were in a hospital, and uh, all the cylinders, the oxygen cylinders, ran out, and there was only one that was left. And uh, two kids came in, and uh, they needed oxygen. And you know, when kids need oxygen, if you don't give it, they die. And uh, my colleague, the medical officer, I still remember her, you know, to date, the way she was so distressed. And she, she asked me to help her choose uh, which kid to, to put on oxygen, and which one to not to put on oxygen. And I, I didn't tell her anything. But uh, later, of course, the one who was not put on the oxygen died. And uh, I felt responsible in a way because uh, I had been asked to, uh, you know, to support, to help in identifying which kid should die. I just imagined how bad it was for my colleague because, you know, she had to make a decision and that was really bad. And later it affected her so much, she actually resigned from the profession. Doctors were also being paid poorly, so they couldn't afford to live near the hospitals they were working in. So he started to work with others to change this. One way of being able to do this is to create a platform where we can now advocate uh, for what we require. And uh, I participated in forming the doctors' union in Kenya. Initially, it was a very difficult thing. Even our, our colleagues didn't want to associate with it. There was a lot of fear around it. But uh, we tried to explain why we need it. And uh, later, uh, you know, everybody started buying in. And uh, within no time, we had uh, more than 3,800 members out of the possible 5,000 uh, doctors. 
He eventually became the Secretary General of the Union and saw some results. They improved equipment, helped supply hospitals better, and fought for pay raises for doctors. He eventually left the trade union, but still uses the lessons he learned from there. There are several lessons I learned uh, as a trade unionist. And uh, one of them was uh, when you go to your employer and you want to be given an additional amount of money, maybe you want 10 shillings, and your employer gives you five, you should not refuse to take the five. You take it and you put it in the pocket and then you tell your employer that I have not, you have not given me enough. And I think uh, that is one of the approaches I've used to mobilize resources for NTD. Because when I came in, our work plan, our annual work plan was uh, standing at about uh, 4 million Kenya shillings every year. And we were not even getting the money. But uh, last year we submitted a work plan of over 6.4 billion Kenyan shillings. Uh, and uh, it is more than 80% funded. So we started slowly by slowly. And uh, sometimes I would want 100 million. I'm offered 20. I take. And we try to do whatever we can with it. And we come back and say, yeah, with the 20, we were able to do ABCD. And now we need to do EFG. We still need another 80. And we have been able to build partnerships around that. That one, I got it from unionism. Uh, the other thing that I also learned was that uh, in life, it is about give and take. You can never have your way 100%. Whenever there are other partners and stakeholders, you will always have to be flexible to accommodate the needs of other people. You have to be sensitive. Whenever you go out there and you're implementing activities, working together, as much as you're advancing your objectives, you must also be alive to what the others uh, would like to achieve. And you should deliberately try to ensure that uh, your partners, your stakeholders are able to achieve uh, what they want to achieve, not just you. So that one I have learned about it. And uh, in entities, it's about building partnerships. And I think that has really helped me to build uh, broad-based partnerships. When Dr. Sultani started working on NTDs specifically, it was trips to the affected communities that impacted him the most. Whenever we could go to the field to conduct interventions, I started uh, uh, you know, coming face to face with uh, a lot of suffering in, in, within the communities. And uh, this started affecting me you know, as, an, as a person because Whenever I could come back, you know, images of the people that I had seen, the people I had interacted with, kept on coming to me. And uh, these were very poor people who did not have anything. And they desperately depended on us uh, to be able to provide uh, the kind of support that would see them uh, probably maneuver through the problems that they had. And uh, every passing day, I started realizing that uh, a lot of people uh, desperately depended on what I could do. And uh, this started making me feel obligated to do something within entities so that I can impact uh, these millions of people who desperately need uh, a lot of support 
In 2015, his boss, the head of the MTD unit, retires, and he was chosen as their replacement. As the head of the unit, he has continued to travel around to understand this problem better. And, uh, as teams, we close down our office at the national level. Everybody goes to the field, and we join the district teams. We go out there, we implement. And then we have focus group discussions with people from the communities, you know, the affected people, their relatives, you know, so we talk to them and they tell us a lot of things which we include in our our strategies. This is Dr. Sultani speaking in Swahili with a group of people who have been affected by NTDs. It was a windy day in a village in the eastern part of Kenya. A group of about 10 men and one woman are sitting in a circle sharing their stories. They talk about the stigma that happens when lymphatic filariasis, also known as LF, causes extreme swelling in the legs, and the difficulty of working with a hydrocele, an effect of LF that causes massive swelling of the scrotum. And I think this has really helped us, especially in terms of addressing the issue around coverage, because we have been able to know some of the hidden things that might not be found in guidelines, which can enable us to improve our coverage. And uh, this has really helped because of the one-on-one -on -one interaction uh, with the communities. And uh, for me, that is a strategy that I have embraced. In 2018, the Kenyan NTD program is expanding. They are piloting a new drug therapy that could make it possible to eliminate LF quicker. They've began a new program to provide surgeries for people with hydrocele's. And they are just about to complete their fifth round of deworming for school-aged children. And because of these efforts and past efforts, Dr. Sultani is optimistic about the future. We are actually um, looking at a number of entities that we can be able to eliminate within a, a very short time. And this is because we are seeing a, a much more presence, present in, uh, involvement by uh, most of our partners, most of our stakeholders. Uh, there is inclusion. We are getting better uh, prospects in terms of funding. We are getting better support. We are getting better involvement in terms of government uh, ownership because now we are actually seeing a lot of interest from the highest level of uh, government and the ministry uh, in the entity control activities. So we are actually, from where I sit, I think uh, the future is looking very good. Uh, we are on track. And I believe that uh, our ultimate goal, which is uh, to, el to ev eventually eliminate the entities, and even if it means that uh, we will have to control first and then eliminate, but our eventual goal of elimination, that one we are going to achieve it. Dr. Sultani, the head of the NTD unit, pharmacist, trade unionist, and almost tour guide, has been able to use these diverse experiences to help build coalitions in Kenya to bring it one step closer to being free of NTDs. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Listening Tour. The Listening Tour is a production of the End Fund. If you'd like to learn more about NTDs and the work being done to end them, visit our website at end.org. That is E-N-D.org. Keep up to date with our work by following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play. A very special thank you to Dr. Sultani for speaking with us. And one last word from him. Yes, we are happy with what we have done so far. But still, the distance that we need to cover is the one that is much longer than the one we have already covered. But luckily, we already know 
what that distance is and we are very optimistic that we are going to cover it. Everybody who has interest in NTD control is welcome to contribute to the Kenya NTD control program because there's so much to be done. I'm Greg Porter. Thanks for listening. Thank you.